0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Concierge Elite. Concierge Elite provides dedicated remote front desk staff and virtual assistants to your office. We specialize in finding your office the perfect and right fit for your office and your office only, full or part-time. Your remote team member is just that, yours. We do all the hiring, the recruiting, and training. Yes, the training. It's one of the things that makes us unique as we train your dedicated remote team member in your systems and software. A 20-year Air Force veteran with a burning desire to help others to learn on their terms. Emil loves what he does and loves to get paid to do it, but it's not about the money. He started this vision of business in 2019 after two fits and starts. He worked for a Fortune 500 company and small business before and really decided it was time to give up the crunch of someone else's infrastructure and learn his own in 2016. His creativity and unique perspectives are superpowers, and he consumes as many massive quantities of information in order to help everyone he can. Please welcome Emil as part of Understaffed. Hey, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell our listeners about what you do and who you are.
1: Sure. Uh, Emil Bryant. I am a consultant. I call myself a business and personal consultant um, that crosses boundaries with, say, executive coaching. But it goes a little bit further. As a consultant, I'm not here to walk you through every single step of the process. As a consultant, I'm here to help you think through strategically, plan out, and sort of have lots of different perspectives on the different situations that you're, you confront and that you're trying to overcome. So, as a business consultant, I do that on behalf of business with a sense of you know original thinking, creative thinking. Uh, some people would use the term. I think they call it. Um, You know first first thought first you know that first root kind of you know getting back to the basics and then really starting to look at things with a fundamental sort of lens and then as a personal consultant i do something very similar but i'm actually looking for the angles the ways that you can see your situation your solution from many different perspectives perhaps it's an adversarial moment so you're looking at things from your Adversary's perspective. If you're looking at things from uh, um, a creative lens, are you using different color lights? Are you do, using different sorts of, you know, like see it from underwater, see it from thirty thousand feet, see it from the beach, see it from the ocean. If you were in a submarine, what would you see if you were to up periscope? Like all these different ways that we sort of look at the same thing with different with different eyes to help us really get comfortable with. What is the best solution for the situation or the circumstance?
0: Oh, that's that's awesome. You know, at one point in time, I I did uh, a training and it was called higher level thinking. And it really dealt with and dived into how we can think creatively and how we can allow our mind to do exactly what you're talking about here. And and I've talked with a lot of consultants and I think you're probably the first one that really touches on this specifically, which I find super intriguing because I think you have to have a higher level thinking to tap into those areas in your brain. And, and you say thinking creatively is a deliberate act. Let's talk about
1: that. Absolutely, so uh, one of the problems with creativity in today's world, and I'll be very blunt, I'm not in business to make money. I'm in business to help other people. So my focus is getting my word, my my principle out. I do make money along the way, but it's helping people first. And so when you're thinking creatively, if you focus on money or you focus on the outcome, you're missing a chance to really go deep into the uh, first principles and really go outside of your comfort zones But when you're thinking about helping others or whatever really pushes your button, then you're deliberately thinking through all the different iterations of a solution and all the different ways a problem can unfold and all the different ways you can even define a problem. So it's that deliberate sort of let me really take the time, the energy, and the focus to look at something specifically and then start turning it upside down and backwards and forwards and say, I'm going to take this situation, this circumstance apart. I'm going to pick it into pieces. I'm going to reassemble the pieces like Legos. All of that is very deliberate creativity.
0: And and I would assume that we don't just use this in solving problems, right? We use this in decision making in terms of, you know, do I make this step or this step, not just problem solving, right?
1: Absolutely. So, one of the things that I help with, you know, I, I the the two people that I help most are key decision makers and business owners. Those are the two people that I really focus on. There are others I've helped, but those are that's like my target market: the people who make really hard decisions, and people who want many different ways to see those decisions unfold before they make a decision. Now, I was in the military for a very long time, and one of the things we talk about in the military is fog and friction. And fog is the inability to see past a certain point. It's just the unknown. Friction is what happens after I make a decision. So friction would be Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong, right? Right. So anytime we're at that decision point, we want to be able to navigate fog and friction. We want to know with fairly clear certainty what I don't know as I make a decision, So I don't have to know everything. I can say, well, I'm going to manage the variables I do know, and the variables I don't know, I'm going to have to discover them after the decision. On the flip side, once I make a decision, I have to manage the friction, the things that, you know, what's imperfect about the execution of my decision, and then I have to live with those, or I have to mitigate those situations, or in the case of jazz or some other types of music, when a mistake is made, perhaps I can capitalize. And so now we're at this decision point where we're being flexible and creative and we're being very affirmative with what we do with that decision.
0: I like that way to think about it and, and think about, you know, as we travel through life, that fog that we go through, the unknown, the the fear of the unknown. Right? We've talked about that in some leadership series that I've done, you know, because as business owners, you know, we get scared by not having control of things. Right. And so that fog is the scary part. It's like, what is on the other side of this? And uh, if I make a decision now on this side of it, how is that going to affect what happens when we, when it clears? And uh, even in our personal life too, you know, make huge decisions in life and we, we don't, we don't know whether that's going to go right or wrong. And, and I think irregardless though, I think, like you said, Murphy's law, what, But (laughs) it's going to go wrong. It's going to go wrong. You know, I think we can all relate to that. Uh, I tell my husband every time he starts a project figure it's going to take four times longer than you initially thought. (laughs) Never say it's going to be easy. Okay, and we all relate to that, right? Like, he's I like, am a gonna... famous
1: optimist in that regard. I will <laughs> like, always overestimate my ability to get things done and underestimate the time it takes to do them. But yeah, that's just my nature. I'm just going to push myself to, to try. And, yeah. and so props to your husband, for <laughs> even having the heart to initiate something.
0: <laughs> right? Well, I am a big project girl. So I'm always like, Hey, let's get this done, you know, let's do this, let's do that. And I'm like, how long do you think that's gonna take? And he be like, oh, no problem, it's easy. And I'm like, okay, all right. So recently, I don't know how many people can, can relate to this one, but it's like, I'm gonna change the spark plugs in the car. Hello. like, okay, are you, are you sure you can do that? Like, we can, okay, yeah, it should be no problem at all. They're just right there, it's gonna take no time. Three days later, and now the car is up the shop. <laughs>
1: there's a special never. wrench that you should have when you change spark plugs <laughs> that most people who've never changed them before don't know. And that is the joy <laughs> of discovery.
0: Right. Well, <laughs> we got that. And then we got the other one in the short extension and the long extension. Before you knew it, it was just that darn pesky one that didn't want to come off. You know, yes. that was just kind of seized in there. And so I was like, huh, you know, when is, um, you know, when is a job? or what are we taking on more than what we can, we can handle. And I think we deal with that in business and in daily life constantly, but I like the friction. It's like, what are we going to do when we get in those moments?
1: That's right. That's right. And And this is, this is part of our, this is part of our responsibility as leaders, as part of our responsibility as people who understand that we're responsible for the success. And I always say, you know, the success I envision is the start point, not the end point. Right, Mm -hmm. the starting point of what initiates action. We have to, you know, uh, uh, my company's name is Go Ikigai, um, and Ikigai is a Japanese term that means the reason why you wake up in the morning. It comes from Okinawa, and it, you know, there's a reason why it's a blue zone in Okinawa, why people live to be a hundred so commonly there into their late 90s, because they have purpose, they have a reason to wake up every morning. So this Ikigai is a way to start. And I always say start because you don't know what's going to happen along the way. So you can have a picture of the end, and you, as long as you have a picture of the end, it'll motivate you to begin. And so I want people to always be comfortable, just like your husband. He had a picture, mm-hmm. it, it didn't work out the way he had intended, but he had a picture of the end, and that initiated the action. And then along the way, bumps and hiccups, he tried to adjust, tried to adjust. And eventually, his skill was overwhelmed by circumstances, right? And that's okay. That's yeah. part of life. But what we don't want is to be paralyzed by the inability to foresee an outcome or the unwillingness to pursue it.
0: Right. Right. And I think that's it. As you were talking about that, it brought me way back to what I used to do is create vision boards, you know, and, and put a picture out there of what your vision is for it and As you were saying, that's your starting point. And I never thought of it as the starting point. I always thought of it as the ending. But if you can see that, how much greater can we get beyond that? That initial vision. And so that was that. That's a a really good key point for me personally that hit home. You say you're I'll
1: I'll, I'll explain it this way. This is something that I learned when I was in the Air Force. Um, So, you know, I went to the Air Force Academy. I had this desire to graduate. So. My 17-year-old brain, right? this is way back in the 80s when I joined the military, my 17-year-old brain could envision marching across the stage and all the things that a cadet that's graduating with the academy can do. But that vision, which motivated me to enter the academy prep school and then go on onto the Air Force Academy itself, that vision began to expand. Because I began to learn about the Air Force and what are the career fields that I could get into besides flying, which is what I really wanted to do. But my eyes told me, no, that's not going to happen. So then it became aircraft maintenance, which is what I did for 20 years. So I was always around aircraft. And then out of that came logistics. And out of that came teaching. And so all these things began to open up. So by the time I graduate from the Air Force Academy, I am full of new visions of what success can look like. But I initiated my journey with a vision of graduation. But during the process, getting to graduation, I acquired more and more knowledge, and that changed how I saw myself in the future.
0: I, I love that. I love that. It's it's a good reminder uh, for us as as we progress and as we gain knowledge and and you know whatever that journey looks like along the way. You say you're way smarter than you think, or that absolutely.
1: You Oh, my gosh. People don't know how smart they are. I talked to a lot of parents. Um, I had some very innovative ways of raising my children. My children are 26, uh, just turned last week and 28 next month. And they're very successful. Uh, My son is um, trying to intern for uh, the Department of Defense. He's applied and hopefully will get in to one of their graduate engineering programs um, or at least internship to it. Uh, My daughter is working for a video game company is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game and very popular one, uh, well over half a million subscribers. And she also writes for an online uh, Twitter-fed comic, a manga. It's really unique. And so she does these two jobs. It's beautiful work. I'm just absolutely so proud of them. And what they taught me when I was their parent younger, when they were younger, was that um, I knew a lot more than I thought I did, but I didn't know how to apply it until they started asking me questions. And the more questions they asked me, the more I would look things up or I would note the answer. And it became this joyful sort of exposition of what I knew based on how they interacted with me. And they got to feel like I, I was, you know, uh, my sister says I was Google before Google was a thing. But I didn't know that. I just had this, you know, curiosity to read. And so what people have done over the years is they have let others dictate how smart they are. And what I want people to do is be willing to sit with themselves and say, wait a second, I know a lot more than I thought I did. And you hear people say that, but they have to be pressed in some way. Sometimes it's a divorce. Sometimes they get fired from their job. Sometimes it's a some major cataclysm. In, uh, you know, uh, Maybe it's a natural disaster. Maybe it's something very simple, very basic, like trying to take the spark plug out of your car. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, when we begin to rely on the knowledge we have, we find out that we know a lot more about certain things that we kind of don't take seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, oh, nobody. I have this obscure knowledge base. You know, I'm a nerd. I love Star Trek or I love Star Wars or I yeah. love, you know, Warhammer 40,000. Yet those things teach so much. And yet we don't rely on that because we think it's trivial or it's nonsensical. In fact, it's the deep knowledge that we can rely on. And
0: we're, we're stronger than we think.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I wish people would just rely on themselves in the context of you're smart enough to figure it out. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you need help, but even asking for help is figuring it out. It's okay to ask for help. And what I want people to get comfortable with is strength is is not determined by the size of your muscle or by your ability to do things alone. It's by your ability to solve a problem with the resources you have at your disposal which includes other people who can help you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we get stuck. Uh, I think there's people who get stuck because they think, I don't know it. I don't know. Or I, I, I just can't. There, I, I don't have it in me. And if I, there's a few instances in my mind that I can think of. And I think exercise is a good, uh, you know, kind of platform for this. Is I used to teach people, you know, who are extremely overweight, how to lose weight. And it was one of those things where their body was telling them I can't. And I was like, you're stronger than you think right now. You're stronger than you think. You can push through. And I'm sure you know from boot camp and all of that, you push your body and your mind beyond what you ever think it's capable of. Because as humans, we're we're extraordinary. Uh, And we see that and everybody is made that way. And it's just being able to tap into that extraordinary, to tap into going, I was stronger than I thought. I am smarter than than I thought I was. You know, it's a
1: it's a form of resilience. And, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about grit and resilience. But I look at resilience slightly differently than the average. Um, Yes, I've been through tragedy. I've been through divorce. I've been through all these, you know, human conditions that require quote-unquote resilience, but I've also been confronted with problems that were intractable, problems that just confounded me, and yet I still wouldn't quit, and that's the kind of resilience I think we underestimate is the willingness to just not give up when you, and it's not so much like I'm going to pound my head against this wall. I, I, I tell a lot of my clients, I say, um, swinging an axe to to fell a tree is the same motion as swinging a hammer against a mountain but one of them will result in success and the other will not and the same motion repeated over time will feel like maybe you're not making headway all i ask is that look up and see am i holding an axe and is this a tree or am i holding a hammer and is this a mountain as long as it's not a mountain and you're not holding a hammer repeating the same motion will result in change but it doesn't feel that way when the tree is huge. And I've been to the redwood forest, so I understand they cut those down by hand. Those giant trees, they cut down by hand. How do you do that? Well, you do that through perseverance and determination and resilience, even though it seems like nothing's happening. Just make sure a little bit at a time is being chipped away by your activity. And before you know it, the thing will fall. If it's a hammer and you're, trying to crash a mountain, then put the hammer down and acknowledge this is not that task. And I am (laughs) not that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's and that goes back to you talking about how what what lens you're looking through. I'm sure. And absolutely sure. Yeah. That you're focused on the right things with the right tools.
1: It's all it's for me, it comes full circle. I want people to be creative in the space they're in. I want them to feel like they can achieve what they set out to do. I want them to feel inspired by their own vision of success. And then I want them to step into that, into that future, into that possibility with their eyes wide open and say, this is not going to happen. And it's okay to say it's not going to happen and to pivot. But what's not good and what a lot of people don't understand is when you say, despite every odd, I'm going to keep going, that becomes, you know, like uh, Moby Dick. You become more like Captain Ahab chasing the chasing the white whale versus the actual thing you can achieve. And you miss out on a universe of possibility when you say this one outcome is the only outcome Uh, I will pursue.
0: That's that's good that's good. I think, and that's the tunnel vision. Uh, and so I, I like that. I like your perspective and I like how you see things, uh, in that higher level thinking that creatively that through the different lens and then different perspectives and different angles, I think it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, and I've had, uh, you know, I've had lots of different, uh, motivational speakers and I've had, uh, Coaches life coaches and business coaches on here. And again, I think your perspective is very unique and um, I, can, I think it can hit home with with so many people. Now you have a, a book or a workbook that you offer.
1: I do. So um, I just released the second edition of my book. Start with a sparkle. And start with a sparkle is my story of how I discovered my purpose, right? So Ikigai is a very personal thing to me. I lived in Japan. I understand from the Japanese perspective what can happen when you immerse yourself in purpose. And for them, purpose could be learning English. It could be bonsai trees, martial arts, manga, anime otaku dressing up like your favorite character, it could be work, uh, it could be family life, but whatever your purpose is, being able to throw yourself into it with your whole being is an amazing thing to witness in a society where people do that. And when you study ikigai academically, you find out that the Japanese culturally believe that either you know your purpose Or your purpose is to discover it. So they give you grace if you don't know it exactly. They're like, you'll figure it out one day. And that's a motivator and it keeps people very in line with what can happen. My book is my journey of discovering my purpose and what I teach in my book is that the way that purpose was unfolded, uh, the way purpose unfolded for me was through intense experiences and memories. And so as I got feedback from my book, my book's been out since 2014. The second edition is 2022. And I got such response from it. People kept asking me, how do I discover my Ikigai? How do I discover my Ikigai? And so I I wrote the workbook to guide people through a similar process that I went to. Your purpose is hidden in your most intense experiences and memories. And so what I do with a workbook is parallel the book, which is nine chapters. And each chapter has uh, three sections. And in those sections, there's lessons. And so each lesson in the workbook parallels this section in the book. And by the end of the workbook, you will know fairly clearly what your purpose is, what your ikigai is. And if you don't know, you will have whittled it down to a very nearby possibility Maybe it's a field of possibilities, but it's certainly not the infinite possibilities you yeah. once had. So the workbook and the book go together. Um, you can read the book. It's a fast read, 150 pages. I, I wrote it intentionally at the 11th grade lo- level, uh, but it's layered. So if you read it once, you'll get one thing. If you read it again, you read, you'll you'll get something else. I've had many people who've read it multiple times uh, because it is a fast read. And then they, they always call me up or they email me, and they're like, what? You got to tell me what, <laughs> like, what, what was this? And, and I yeah. love telling the stories behind the stories. So it's joyful yeah. in that way. The workbook, uh, the feedback I've gotten from it has been tremendous. People are really getting into it and they're remembering some more, some of their most pleasant experiences in ways that they didn't really, really frame. But they're also yeah. remembering some of their hardest memories, some of their hardest times, but they're also reframing those and looking at them through the lens of, how does this reveal my purpose? So it's great to have that that book and workbook as a resource to people.
0: Oh, excellent! And you're offering that to our listeners for a reduced price, um, and plus you're going to autograph it.
1: Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, if 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 you tell me through, you can reach me through my website. Um, not on Amazon. Uh, not that I don't like Amazon. My book is on Amazon, but for your re- for your listeners. Reach me through the podcast, through my website and tell me you listen to me on uh, understaffed and I will make sure you get an inscription, not just an autograph, an inscription. And that is part of what I love doing. And just, you know, for for your edification, this book's been out since 2014, nine years now. Every single copy I have inscribed or autographed every single copy of the workbook and the book.
0: That's excellent. Well, we appreciate that for sure. And so, you, you can obviously uh, find a meal on LinkedIn as well as your website. What's your website for us?
1: My website is wwwgo ikigaicom ikiga icom or myname.com. Email Bryant. E-M-I-L-L-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T.com. Those will get you to um, my my website if you want to spend time with me. I offer your listeners a free 30 minute uh, session where we can talk about if we are a good fit for one another. Uh, I do not take all money and I do not take all clients. Uh, I'm very selective because I am very high touch. If you work with me, you're working with me. I do not have automated sales calls. I do not have co- You know, other coaches, it's me. And that's very intentional because I believe that uh, my best life came through people who invested in me. And so if you want to work with me, I will invest in you as well.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. We're going to have all those links in uh, the, uh, the information below. So our folks with understaff who are listening today can uh, link right over to those things. So thank you so much for being a guest today and sharing your insights with us. We really appreciate it.
1: Melissa, this has been a joy, and I love that you're doing this and bringing so many different perspectives on. Keep it up. I love that you're thinking through how to help people by bringing such guests as myself on and for giving uh, people like me a platform. So best to you, best to the audience who's listening and watching, and I appreciate all of you for spending time with me today. And thank you, Melissa, for um, hosting me as well. I really, really appreciate it. It's very much a, a labor of love, I can tell, and I appreciate you sharing that with me.
0: Thank you so much. We appreciate you.
1: Make sure to subscribe and like our
0: podcast if you'd like more information on today's topic or any other product or service featured on this. Make sure to drop us a line and say hi or visit anytime at conciergeelite.com.